Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We have an awesome crypto roundtable for you today. Sonny and Vinny are back. Molly's off for this one. So it's just me and the boys. First up, we're going to take a break from crypto because breaking news, Meta's Q3 earnings dropped right as we were on the call. And Vinny and Sonny are experts in Web2 and also VR and AR. We break down what's happening at Meta. Their stock is collapsing. Their uh, earnings and their revenue is getting massive headwinds. So we break that down and who's going to win AR, VR versus Apple, Meta, Google, and Facebook and that big fight that's going on over the next 10 years then we do a deep dive into the state of nfts apple speaking of apple and their app store rules are getting quite onerous uh reddit is also adding uh, an nft program and royalties are not getting paid to some of these nft projects we're going to talk about that and much much more we'll take a listener question as well it's going to be a great show so stick with us This Week in Startups is brought to you by Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. Ravello. Looking to affordably scale your product development with global tech talent in U.S. time zones? Hire vetted remote developers in Latin America with Ravello. Get 20% off for the first three months at ravello.com twist. And Smash Digital. Scaling organic traffic for your startup can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Visit smashdigital.com twist to get a free SEO video audit for your business. You'll see if SEO is right for you and what it takes to become an industry leader. All right, everybody. It's time for our bi-weekly, bi-monthly. I'm not sure how you say that. Price a month, we have a crypto roundtable with two of the smartest uh, folks we know in the Web3 crypto space, Sundeep Madra and Vinny Lingham. Welcome back to the program. Molly's not here today. She had other commitments. Uh, but we got a we got a full docket here, huh? A lot going on and some big earnings out right now as well. So it's an exciting afternoon. It's a very exciting afternoon. I guess before we get into crypto, uh, Facebook just dropped earnings. And my Lord, uh, just to recap it, they're down to 110 bucks a share, I think. Uh, This is because in in, uh, after hours. So they're 129. But then in after hours, it's dropped down to 110 right there 110 oh my lord Uh, what's your take on the brad gerstner letter and how facebook is being run uh sunny um yeah you know i didn't have a chance to listen to earnings i know jake how you were commenting on it in a chat thread earlier but um i i think you know he was a voice of reason um the other thing i'll say is you know uh, facebook historically and we know this from say the earlier um times of facebook they've been a great platform company and what they're doing right now uh, and they then they've acquired incredibly well like whatsapp instagram other uh, oculus but what's happening right now is the investment they're making in terms of they're sort of trying to complete with the eco compete with the ecosystem which they should allow they should support and so i actually read brad's um note as something really positive and mm. kind of focus the expensive and expenses and move those towards sort of the platform aspect. So I, I was really, 
I thought it was a great note, but it's always you know challenging when uh, the company is is really heads down in the direction that they are, uh, and and it seems like from what you said earlier, they're doubling down. They're not even you know uh, kind of going uh, going yeah. back on that at all. And just for background, Brad Gerson from Altimeter Capital, a longtime shareholder, has been trying to get through to Zuckerberg. Hey, maybe some austerity measures here, maybe control spending, maybe spend five billion uh, or burn five billion a year on the VR adventure, not ten or more billion dollars, and maybe get focused on AI at Facebook and making sure those platforms don't die, the money printing machine. Uh, what do you think, Vinny? Look, Brad, Brad's a really smart guy. I think um, Facebook's gone through a couple of, I mean, Facebook's had a couple of good um, tailwinds to help them out over the over the past you know, nearly two decades. Um, one, which I think is ending, is the, the you know, advertising, the display advertising um, and, you know, ad targeting business model that's been pervasive in web 2.0 for years, uh, where you could target people, you can suck all the data, you can analyze it. Etc. And that's what's fueled their business. I mean, most of their revenue, ninety nine percent, is is uh, is advertising driven, and that's falling off a cliff. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the global economy taking a hit. People are you know, advertising always gets cut, but this is a, a lot bigger, deeper issue with the you know the privacy you know, things that Apple has done to make it harder for them to target people and serve ads and whatever else. So there's definitely. Um, I think that the tide has shifted and changed, and I think that Facebook and Brad's one hundred percent right. Facebook has to say. They have to accept that that era is over. Uh, the era of, of Web two personalized ads is dying. It's on the way down. We hit peak a while, of, you know, maybe a year or two ago, or whatever. And now it's going down. Mm. And so we either, you know, it's adapt or die. And so they have to reinvent their business. And uh, you know, Zuck's trying to do that in terms of doing it through Meta and rebranding as as um, you know as, as Meta. <laughs> and you see my tweet was like the bottoms in when you rebrand. Um, well, that was a prophetic tweet. I mean, did you have inside information or? No, <laughs> not at all. So wait, wait, when you did this tweet, the bottom is in when Meta rebrands as Facebook. Um, is there any chance that you think he does that? You, you did this in January of uh, this year. You think that's yeah. a possibility? I don't think it's a possibility in the short term. I think, mm. um, I think, I think. You know, the problem, the problem really, I mean, he should, okay, let's be frank, he should rebrand it, but you can imagine how long it's going to take for them to undo what they've just done. I mean, just, you know, they're, they're probably mid, like, when they announced that they were still updating the products, the logos, the messaging, I mean, this is a, a you know, the surface area of Facebook as a, as a network is like, you know, half the planet uses it basically. So it's not that easy to do. So I think they'll probably, they'll probably stay the course. And then, so it kind of, it was more tongue in cheek when mm -hmm. I said that they should rebrand. Um, I mean, I, I, get, I guess what they're trying to do right now is trying to move, you know, move the playing field to the metaverse. But, mm. you know, they had the benefit of having a high level of engagement and ad views in the early days at the same time that Google launched AdWords. So there was a, a lot of demand in the early days for direct advertising. We had this transition from offline advertising and, and media and print into digital platforms, social networks, search, et cetera. And they, they benefited from that tailwind for 20, you know, 20 years nearly. And so, but, Tides have shifted. So they try to do the whole thing with Aptos and Diem and, and their own currency and getting into Web3. That didn't go down well. Fa Facebook may be one of those companies that's stuck in this like pigeonholed era that they, they you know. It and doesn't I, make I, sense I, though, because when you think about it, they did make the Facebook marketplace work. Uh, everybody's using that Facebook marketplace, which is like an eBay kind of competitor. 
there are things they could plug in here uh, that would work. It does seem to me, Sonny, that going for VR was yep. just like that's like a hail mary well you have billions of people no, using no no, no. It's, it's not a hail mary it's it's the only option i think like you, you, you think, let, let, let's think about this okay let's think about like i mean zuck's a smart guy let's give him some credit here okay the only option is so they can't buy more companies because the regulators just not going to let them happen they can't expand through acquisition we know this so they, they're, they're kind of stuck from that front the, the advertising business model is going down so they're not going to be able to monetize that the, the commerce business model isn't as big as what they were making in advertising in terms of margins. It's a lot tighter margin business and there's a lot more, you know, it, it's a different business and, and they can grow the marketplace, but they're never going to get to the same margins and growth rates and revenue. It's just highly competitive. And so what do they do? And they basically went with blue ocean strategy. Let's go somewhere where we, we have, we have enough capital to deploy where it's, it's likely going to be a positive outcome in 10 or 20 years. We already have Oculus. We have a leg in there. And let's just move the playing field because we can't play in the current world. What I actually think, think it's slightly different. I think it's yeah. no. I think it's slightly different. I think um, I think it all starts and it stems from Apple and their control on the ecosystem and the ch changes that they're making. So I don't think advertising is dead. I think advertising will continue. It's like a fundamental, you know, business model of just yeah. humans. It's been around print to to TV to radio to television to internet. I don't think it goes away. I actually think this is a lot more about controlling the end-to-end -end platform. So I think mm. this is stemming from never doing a phone and a platform. And VR, AR was and was and still is an, an, an attempt to own a platform start to end. So you're not subject to the platform changes that Apple is making. And so a lot of you know my belief is it's coming fr from that. That's the motivation is, hey, mm. that's where things seem to be going. AR, VR, let's get ahead of that and let's own that platform by being there early. And so I, I, I don't think it's like advertising is dead. I think the changes are hurting them. But, well, let me just um, give you some data yep. here, um, and then I'll let you go, Vinny. Um, the revenue I just reported uh, down 4% year over year. So they have $27.7 billion in revenue. They went down year over year 4%, and they're down 3% quarter over quarter. And um, last quarter, Meta reported negative revenue growth for the first time. Net income is about $4.4 billion. This is down 52% year over year, down 32%. Wow, quarter over quarter. Yeah. Total user growth um, was uh, around 4% year over year. So the user base is, is growing slowly, but they have reached the natural audience. Yeah. So it, it's definitely like they're yeah. bouncing along the ceiling, I would say, of advertising revenue. They need some product extensions. But let's face it, VR is, is at least a decade out from having any meaningful user base. So this is not coming soon, is it, Vinny? So let's just talk about two things. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, I think, Sunny, I agree with you. Advertising is not going anywhere, except it's slowing down or it's declining, which means that the industry doesn't disappear. The, 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 gr the growth premium yeah. gets ripped out of them. This is what Brad's well, basically Can saying. I just add one thing on the advertising thing? Okay. I actually don't think so. I think it's being picked up in other places. I think if you go look at what Amazon's doing, I think if you look at what Apple is taking away. So I, I think if you look sure. at the overall pie, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'll for, pull them for, up. I'm saying for, for Facebook, I'm saying. For, for Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, okay, yeah. For, for, for I, I, Facebook, I thought you were saying advertising in general, but for no, Facebook, no, no, no. it may so, be. So, so uh, for, yeah. the, for, for Facebook, they're, they're going to be basically flat to down because of Apple and all the other pressures that they have in the market. They can't yep. grow that base. Secondly, the active user expansion is happening in markets with, with low um, revenue per user. Okay, because those you know it's, it's emerging markets, etc. The ad revenues are lower, so they're gonna they, they're gonna struggle on the margin side, and they're gonna struggle to grow that because they've saturated most of the the Western world and the high and the high um, 
revenue per user markets, and now that's declining. So, so this is my point. The, the, okay, so so w- why is this why is this a problem? A large portion of the compensation for Facebook employees since the inception of the company has been based on stock options. And stock options work great in an up market because, hey, you know, here's $100,000 worth of stock. Next year, it'll be worth $120,000. The year after, be worth $150,000. You price it in, you stay, you get refreshes, et cetera. You can keep issuing stock options all day long when it goes up. But when it goes down, well, nobody wants options. And mm. people start looking yeah. at what they're earning and saying- All these companies do RSUs now, and E as well, right? Uh, options okay, are a lot so more limited in, in public. Sure. Yeah, but right? they have but to believe, e- to both of yes. your points, they have to yes. believe that that yes. RSU that they got for free. So a restricted stock unit is a gift. Yep. You don't have a strike price on it. So you don't have to worry exactly where it is. But you are saying, hey, I'm getting this at $105 or $10, whatever it is today. I'm here because I wanted to double in the next three years. And I'm going to come in on the weekends and work nights and give up my life to make it triple yeah. so that my million in RSUs or my 500K RSUs over the next three years turns into 2 million and it could be life-changing money. That's not going to happen. Here's an interesting chart to take a look at. This is a comparison of Google's CapEx versus Facebook's. Now, the top line you see here, we'll pull it up for the audience. So this is up to Q2. doesn't include Q3. I'll give you Q3s in a moment. But as you can see, the top green line and the top blue line, those are the, um, the revenue for Google and Meta. I'm not going to call them Alphabet and Meta. I'm going to call it Facebook and Google. Google. Google's green, Facebook's blue. So, you know, you got more than two times the revenue with Google. And then you look at their CapEx. Oh, my Lord. The CapEx for Facebook slash Meta is, you know, the, the same essentially as Google's with so much more revenue. And then if you were to look at uh, actually, what happened this quarter? Google's capex in Q3 was 7.2 billion. It was less than Facebook's, um, but its revenue is 2.5 times. Meta's capex is blowing out, and this includes like finance, leases, hardware, all the stuff they're investing in. 9.5 billion. Oh my lord, it's going up. Capex just keeps going up on this business. So there's he's spending like a drunken sailor. Are you sick and tired of huge SaaS bills? I know I am. And switching between 10 different platforms every day, it's chaos. SaaS churn is real. And you need to check out Odoo to reduce SaaS burnout. Odoo is a suite of business apps. That's basically the only software you're ever going to need. And it's a great way to cut costs and be more productive. And listen, we all know it's a crazy market out there. You want to extend that runway because, hey, listen, it's a down market right now and you're going to have to survive. That means you're going to have to make every dollar count. So you need to check out Odoo. All of your SaaS apps will run on one platform with Odoo. So you have one customer support rep, not 10. And they have 40 main apps and 16,000 apps from their open source community. You know, important stuff, sales, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so, so much more. And Odoo will only charge you for the apps you use. So you get more done in less time. And you're going to save a ton of money. Here's the best part. Your first app is free forever. And Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off odoo.com slash twist. What are the chances that Facebook meta beats Apple in terms of dominance in VR slash AR? So if we're sitting here 10 years from now. No, no, no. You, you got to split the two up. They're, they're two different things. VR and AR are two different things. Okay, but I'm going to put... A- Apple is, Apple's going to win VR, uh, AR. Apple, hands down, is going to beat Okay, Facebook so you think it's 100%. AR. It's 99% they on, win on, on, on AR. Got it. Which is more important on, for you, AR or VR? I think AR is the bigger play. Of course. Okay, so 
Sonny, chances, if you were going to give a percentage to win AR, which is the day, what are the chances Facebook beats Apple? I kind of, you know, if, if we were to lay some odds, I, I think it's like 75% Apple, 25% Facebook right now. Got it, yeah. Right? Okay, um, so it's yeah. three and four that Apple yeah. wins. And then if we were to look yeah. at market share of headsets, of revenue, however we want to look at it, who's going to win on a percentage of user time, percentage of headset sales? I mean, if we were to look at it, uh, Vinny. Facebook versus well, Apple versus Google versus Microsoft. They're not the, they're not the same thing, though. Of course they're not. That's why I'm asking yeah, you. Yeah, so, so you I, I, it's it's Apple's, Apple's oranges. Apple's going to sell 100 million v, uh, AR headsets in the next five years. Wow. 100 million. So you think yeah. Apple runs away with it. So for people who don't uh, understand why you're making this prediction, because Facebook is making all the noise, why, why do you think Apple wins? Why do you think Apple wins so handily? 99% chance they win in your mind, Vinny. Be- because they control the compute device. Okay, yeah. so... The phone is in your pocket. They've ba- so the biggest issue with uh, VR is this heavy headset you're wearing on your head because the compute sits on the headset, basically, and you got to move around with this. The, the, what they've done with Apple with the, with the VR glasses, and this is all rumors because it's not really released yet, but they've basically got a wireless connection to your phone, which sits in your pocket, and they run all the compute locally, and they're just streaming the visuals to your to your mm-hmm. glasses, and you can see your know, inputs. And so it's got a camera that's reading things like a, like the way that you know, Tesla does it. And but the, the the HUD the heads up display on your on your on your on your glasses they don't need to be it, it, the, the battery life on that thing's very I mean it doesn't need a lot of battery power it's just displaying um, you know AR uh, images and but the compute's actually happening on your phone and people are walking around with a billion of these phones you know Facebook can't even if Facebook built the exact same glasses okay they don't have direct you know deep SDK and API access to the chipset that's sitting in the Apple device they don't own the device they cannot optimize and improve it sunny you know sunny's a electrical engineer you can tell you the, better than anyone like unless you actually have you know even from a security perspective the secure enclaves that's going to sit inside the iphone like apple can just say facebook sorry you can't have access to it and that's it yeah okay you feel the same way sunny i kind of i'm in agreement with Vinny. i think apple's yeah, gonna run away uh, i think they, they have they have a shot and i you know the one thing i will say and maybe it's a good slight segue into the next topic um yes. is the one thing that Apple has working against them, which could just change everything is this Apple tax. And they continue to double and triple down into all new areas. And and we want to talk about this, but that's, that's one thing that I'm, you know, I'm not convinced as long as they keep that, they can keep winning. And, you know, and the Apple may, tax, define that for the audience, what the Apple tax is. The Apple tax industry. is like the 30% that they take on a set of transactions, whether in-app purchases or subscriptions or, you know, the game that you're selling. And they, they, they have arbitrary places that they do this. They've said they're going to do it on NFTs now. Um, it's why you can't we sign up about for that two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the thing that, you know, they continue to double down on. And it's I think it's a, it's a huge opening for anybody else because, you know, as a developer, um, a single individual developer or large corporations, the incentive to go to something else, especially with a network effect like Facebook, is huge. And so they're one of the only ones that can take it out because they have so many people on their platform. It's harder for an individual company to come in and do it. So All right. that's so why I still give them a, sh- a shot in this. Let me let's pivot then to our first story here in crypto. So thanks for uh, your input on the Meta Corporation. And by the way, their headcount's up to eighty-seven thousand people. <laughs> Well, they're up twenty-eight percent year over year. I mean, yesterday in Google, they added thirty-seven thousand people in one year. In one year, they're, that's two hundred. Like, like, what are they doing? There's only, 
there's only 200 working days a year, right? So it's like, it's like 200 people a day. I mean, what, what are they doing? I mean, it's, what are all these human beings doing at these companies? It doesn't make any sense. They're fixed cost businesses. You know, they, they should be milking these things, but I guess they have so much profits and so much cash. They're going to thumb their nose at Wall Street, let their stocks tank, maybe start buying their stock back. And maybe that's the end game here. They, they're just like, you know what, Wall Street, we don't care about your opinion. We're going to buy our stock back with our cash reserves and um, game over. We're going to start taking these great, talented people off the market during a recession. Let's pivot now to Reddit. Uh, Reddit was supposed to IPO. That never happened. Uh, I don't know what the status of their IPO is. Um, but uh, Reddit also, uh, in July, launched NFTs. And they seem to be doing really great in terms of wallets. And their audience is obviously very, or there's a portion of their audience that is very pro-crypto. Can you queue up this story for us, uh, Sunny? Yeah, so they, um, you know, uh, effectively what they did is they they created 2.8 million wallets for a bunch of their users, and then they made available to those users uh, like an NFT associated to to their platform. And why I think this is super interesting is kind of build on a lot of stuff that we've been talking about, where this is a push away from um, things for the crypto community by the crypto community only, and this is crossing into sort of a, a traditional web two brand that's making their way towards that community. And I think that's really powerful is one of the themes that we've had over the last couple of these sessions is these traditional brands coming in, bringing their user base. Now we're, we're seeing it still in small numbers, right? We only saw, you know, a few thousand of the wallets that were created have ever transacted before, but I think it's, it's really, really powerful. You know, at the end of the day, this NFT that got created for this ecosystem, it, it ended up having like $100 million of value and it started transacting the eco ecosystem. But this is how we're going to, you know, there's a big knock on the Web3 ecosystem. And there's not a lot of users here and it's been overly financialized. But I think the, these type of activities are really exciting for uh, the Web3 spot. And Vinny, I don't know if, yeah, what your thoughts on this uh, um, thing were as well. No, I look at, I think it's, I think it's, it is very exciting. Um, you know, it, it's the whole web 2.5 argument, right? You got to get move users from two yep. to 2.5 into three. And, and people like, I think three wins when everyone thinks they're using 2.5, but it's actually three. <laughs> oh, so in other words, you're a web 2.0 user. You don't want to deal with a wallet. You're not buying some hardware wallet, but your account, your Gmail account, your Facebook account, your Twitter account suddenly is a wallet. And I didn't do anything. I didn't have to you know do any work right it they didn't just even call them nfts they called they called them like collectible avatars or something right so they're, they're mm -hmm. the technology and that you know we've said that as well that we'll see this really win when the technology is not even understood by the like the names don't come up of the technology but it's just the use cases that are emerging which is which was really exciting here amazing and uh you know they, there's so many ways for them to incentivize people to get into this like you know just dropping stuff into their wallets and they were of course doing reddit cash for a long time they had their own sort of coins before yeah and this is something facebook was working on and they kind of gave up on why did facebook give up on cryptocurrency was it because they felt like the regulators would hold them to a higher standard and the regulators are kind of pissed off and government officials are pissed off at zuckerberg for you know election interference like this sort of high level thing or did zuck just say like I, I just don't think this is the next thing i think we can only focus on one big thing so let's just focus on vrar what do you think so, happened so, there? I'll, 
I'll give you, I mean, I don't know for certain, but I'll give you my, my two cents on this. Um, I think that the regulatory like backlash that they saw put a lot of pressure on the organization and people were a little bit more hesitant to keep pushing forward because they had a core business that was solid and growing and strong. And mm-hmm. they were like, there's no reason to put any of this at risk. And, and, and the regulators are going to, you know, scrutinize us more and everything we do. And this is just not worth it. It's the rest of the business. Now that's in good times. Why would you want to risk anything? Because everything looks great. And you have a core business that's just churning out cash every quarter after quarter. Like, you know, put yourself in the issues. I would be like, guys, it's not worth it. I mean, yeah, okay, let's say this thing takes off. Who cares? We'll see it coming. We can we can get into it later. Let's just pull out now. And that was the easy way out, right? Because it just wasn't worth it. Now, with declining revenues or flat revenues, big burn in in the in the meta stable with the horizon and you know and, and every, Oculus and everything else. Now the argument is like maybe you got to double down and go into crypto or yet you know I, I personally think that that like because it's such a big organization and because it's not it's not 2010 when Zuckerberg had to pivot to mobile and the company was five years old this is like 2022 23 I don't know 70 thousand employees whatever the number is like it, it's not that simple just to pivot the entire business and move in a different direction when you're managing 20 something billion dollars of revenue every year so. It's 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 Craig Christensen all over again. Innovators dilemma. What do they do? How yeah. do they how do they turn the boat? I actually think it's related to what we said before. I think when you look at the blockchain space, uh, which is you know what Aptos. Uh, so the the project got spun out. We have a section in it in our notes uh, as well. But like uh, the the project got spun out, turned into Aptos. I think when you look at it again from platform ownership, you cannot own blockchain, right? It's a it's a technology. There's it's going to be you know all over the place. Can be different instances of it. We already see it today. We have Ethereum, Solana, Bitcoin, Doge, and so my my guess is, and you know probably a person to have on at some point uh, in in any of the shows, Jay Cal is David Marcus, right? Because he was leading yeah. these efforts. Um, would be I think you look at it and say we can't own this, right? And you look at again VR, AR, and you can you can you can see a lens in which through you can own the whole thing. So um, that would have been, that would be my guess as why you you move away from it uh, if you're making large bets where you want to spend tens of billions of dollars. VR. One fact about startups finding engineers is time consuming and expensive. It's a pain in the neck. It's one of the hardest things you'll do as a founder. Well, if you're looking for qualified international developers without the crazy time differences, or you just want to scale without sacrificing on quality, Ravello is the answer. They are a talent platform that matches you with vetted full-time remote developers in Latin America, where I have my engineers. They work in US time zones, which means your engineers can collaborate in real time. You can have them right in Slack. You can talk all day long. Plus, it's much more cost effective than hiring in the USA. You're going to get matched and vetted with candidates in just three days. And Ravello handles all the annoying stuff, payroll, taxes, benefits, all that legal stuff, all of those regulations. They abstract that away and they let you hire internationally without the headache. Ravello's engineers are full time and embedded in your team, just like your normal employees. They're proficient in all the important stuff, AWS, Rust, Ruby, React, Python, Node.js, and more. Ravello's customers include, oh my lord, look at this list, GitHub, Foursquare, Carta, Indiegogo, and Kickstarter. Go to ravello.com slash twist and mention twist to get 20% off your first three months. Plus, they offer a 100% risk-free 14-day trial period. If you're not satisfied, you pay nothing. So go ahead and go to revelo.com slash twist and mention twist to get that 20% off. 
right, so let's talk about Apple suddenly understanding NFTs and creating a rule set around them. This seems incredibly suspect to me that Apple has such granular rules. I didn't think that they even understood the space. And so I'm looking at this saying, if Apple is getting this granular into NFTs and the, a rule set around them for their app store, they are, I don't know, um, going to do something in this space. What do you walk us through this, Sonny? What are the new rules in uh, Apple's iOS 16.1 yeah. update for NFTs? Because this is a level of granularity that is so, suspicious uh, to me. Is it suspicious to you too, Sonny? Well, I, I don't think it's suspicious. I think it's it's really good because they've kind of okay. looked at it. And and maybe, Nick, you can pull up something to follow because uh, I'll pull up. But effectively, uh, you know, at the highest level of what they said is NFTs are allowed. Um, but a couple of things. One, if you're going to be buying or selling, it has to be through the IAP, the in-app purchase process. Hence, that uh, you know, the 30% tax has to be paid. Two, they've said NFTs cannot unlock or lock or you know make features available so they've sort of maybe listening to our podcast and we've talked about um some of these and there you go right apps may not use mechanism to lock content uh, license keys and all these kind of things and so they've really talked about it they've talked about uh the exchange and transmission of cryptocurrencies this is going to be really interesting as well because you know jcal there's a lot of talk about what happens to the twitter app going forward as it becomes a super app and it uses maybe some underlying cryptocurrency, you know, maybe could be Doge and what happens with those type of things. And so I think what's interesting here is they've tried to, and I, I again view this as an opportunity, they've tried to kind of do the hard shell defense here, which is like, let's see if we can get all the openings and, and block it off. I, I'll just go back to the point we talked about before, which is it's impossible to do this. The minute you allow nfts blockchain smart contracts into the ecosystem y they are programmable they're composable mm -hmm. they're permissionless people will find a way around them one of them will take off and then apple will be stuck at this you know uh, at this place where they're gonna have to make a very hard decision on cutting it all off or basically allowing it and i and i and i i still stick with the point of view that allowing these in and because of the composable nature the programmable nature of these things people are going to find innovation just can't be stopped and they've allowed innovation in the so ecosystem if i was to interpret this uh vinny if i have an nft and my board ape yacht club nft if i loaded into this app unlocked a bunch of features and let me into a secret chat room and gave me premium access to some videos that would not be allowed under this terms of service, correct? I, yeah, I, I'm not sure the interpretation of this is is like. I, I mean, let's say, for example, I did it on the website. So you went to uh, the you, you went to some allowed. website, yeah. Okay, and then you then you downloaded the app for that website, and now because you've loaded up the NFT in the website, the app features are unlocked for you because your user account is upgraded. Mm. Is that legal? Yeah, I, you know, this is what happens to me with all this is what happened to me in the audible days. And we talked about this two weeks ago, NFTs would be the perfect wrapper for your, you know, collection of albums, you know, paid for ebooks, whatever. So this would kill the ebook store or the audio bookstore. When I buy when I used to have to buy from audible, I would open up Amazon's or audible's website, find the book I wanted, purchase it there, then go to the app unload the app from memory, reload it from memory, pull down to refresh, and, you know, maybe 60 seconds and later, I'll have it there. there. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's like, okay, well, just let me buy it through the Audible app. Why am I having to switch? And I, I don't mind exactly. I'm technically savvy, but perhaps my mom well, or cousin they've, they've, is not they've, they've super technical. And now they've, they've allowed, allowed it finally. Yeah. But this yeah. seems to me, Sonny, like they're trying to control it the way they tried to control the audiobook space. What, it's just going to fail eventually. Yeah. It will. And I think this area is a lot more um, composable, right? You you can basically do a lot more than in the audible example is very limited things you could do here. I just you don't even know how they can enforce it all because you could put an app through the app approval process. They could never see that that was there. And then without ever going back to the approval process, you could start unlocking these features within the app and both the app and the, you know, this your offline mechanisms or out of app store mechanism could work hand in hand. It, they would have to re- literally enforce all apps that are already in the store and try to take them down. And they can't do that. I, I mean, it's going to be the wild, wild west. I think it's very exciting. I think, yeah. Th- so the way it's going to be amazing to watch Apple try to contend with this because crypto people are known to be, you know, effers. They're going to want to F with Apple and yeah. they're, they're pirates. Let's face it. And I'm here for it. I can't wait to see the crypto monkeys, you know, come in and try to, you know, ape Tim Cook, and, and they're they're gonna they're gonna poke the bear, and in a way that maybe like Epic Games, the creators of Fortnite, you know, they've been very outspoken. Daniel Ek and Spotify, like, hey, listen, we we can't make this business work if we're giving you thirty percent because we got to give the music industry some seventy percent or whatever it is. Like, you're, yep. you're crushing us here. It's not going to economically work. And so the way Apple typically has done this is said, you know what, we'll just do enforcement. So it's like taxes, right? Like the IRS doesn't need to enforce, ta- you know, tax evasion. They just need to get Martha Stewart. The SEC has just got to get Martha Stewart to get people to stop insider training. They're going to find people to make examples of. Uh, and this is going to be complete, utter chaos. Can I, can I put an example or just throw something yes. out there, which I, I think would be really powerful. Now, I'm at, you know, a lot of this comes in and around antitrust, but imagine a, a keen crypto developer does something like this. They say, you know what? We will abide by Apple's 30%, but we're going to collect it outside. And Apple, mm. you now, um, we, we have it. We're holding it for you in the smart contract, but mm. we just don't want to use your mechanism. That right. those, those type of innovations will really you know, push hard on this antitrust thing. If Apple is saying, fine, there's this tax, and now you can only, you know, you have to pay the tax through our payment mechanism. Those type of things are definitely anti-competitive. Because I think Lena Khan is completely, I don't want to say incompetent, but I think she's off the mark. I don't think she's incompetent. She's obviously a very smart individual, but I think she's missing the real target. She's going after Zuckerberg for Giphy or the EU. I'm sorry, the yeah. EU went after uh, the Roomba European is a, the big one, the US Yeah, one, like going right? after Roomba, who cares? <laughs> going after like some VR app, who cares? If you really want to fight the real enemy, the real enemy is Amazon Basics, you know, and the app stores. And all Lena Khan has to do, it's not popular because Tim Cook's very popular and Apple's very popular. You just go to Apple and say, if you want, we want you to have alternate app stores allowed. And once you do that, and Google Play can be on Apple, uh, or a new company called, you know, zero uh, percent. And if you pay a hundred bucks a year for this app store as a subscription, you pay 0% in fees. That would be like my version of it. I'd say, Hey, listen, we're going to launch an app store that's platform independent. You can use it on Android, iOS, and any other future one, including headsets. But this app store is a membership app store. You pay a hundred bucks a year and 
you don't pay the 30%. Can you imagine what would happen for people who want to, you know, uh, yeah, it would be like a, a Costco version of app stores. Instead of paying a markup on every item, you just pay for a membership once a year. Things like that would be really good use of Lena Khan's time. This is what the ecosystem has been waiting for. Uh, you know, people have worked around it through the mobile web exceptions that Apple has allowed. I, you know, I just really hope folks that listen to us here and listen to you know all, all the things around technology look at this as an opening. Don't be discouraged by this and work around it. I think the more they're trying to clamp down on it, things are going to squeak through and they won't be able to pull it back in. That it's a technology that is just not as enforceable in those type of ways without fully cutting it off. And I think it's very hard for them to take that line right now. One of the things you want to know before you invest in a company, which is what I do, is how good is their SEO, their search engine optimization? Why? Well, because when people are looking for your product, where are they going to go? They're going to Google you, they're going to Bing you. And if a startup understands search engine optimization, well, that means they understand one of the foundational ways in which traffic gets to your website. Some people now, they just overlook the fundamentals of SEO and you need to get those right early. So let me tell you about Smash Digital. They are hyper-focused on SEO and they specialize in high-end link building. This isn't a generic digital marketing agency. No, it's not Facebook ads and all that stuff, which is transient. No, they just focus. Focus on world-class SEO. You understand, of course, that if you're going to hire an in-house SEO person, that's going to cost you like 100 dimes a year. It's literally going to be $100,000. And then you're still going to need a budget to build content and to get people to link back to you. However, Smash is affordable. They understand what you're going through. They want to be your partner for the long term. And so they're going to charge you as little as $3,500 a month for their service. You're going to learn a ton. They're going to be a great partner for you. And for a limited time, Smash is offering a free video review for Twist listeners at smashdigital.com slash twist. That's right, a free personalized video audit of your startup's SEO and Smash will map out the exact next steps for you to take to outrank your competitors. Again, it's free. Go to smashdigital.com slash twist. All right, let's move on to NFT royalties. Uh, tee this one up for me, Sonny. I, I, I don't exactly understand okay. how royalties work in NFTs myself. I understand the concept of royalties to the original artist's but I don't know how this was executed in things like OpenSea and Yuga Labs, which owns Bay with the Bay. The this is a, a very similar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very similar example in terms of how the technology is, you know, sort of almost infinitely uh, configurable. So the idea that when an NFT is minted, the contract behind it can include parameters to say, you know, if this um, NFT is involved in a transaction that the certain portion of that transaction should be collected as a fee and go back to the creator. It's a very simplistic example. Now, um, and, you know, if, if that NFT... Like in the music industry. So I, exactly. I wrote the song, you did a cover of it. Yeah. As the person who wrote the song, I get some royalties. I got yeah. it. And that, that enforcement generally has been by the platform because the platform is the place that is collecting the, the you know, let's say between the buyer and seller, and the platform is looking at the, the fee associated with that and m making the, you know, pulling that fee, holding it, making it available to the creator. Now, what, what other, what's, what's happened? platform that would do this? Uh, OpenSea, OpenSea, OpenSea is an uh, example there. Now, what's happened is other platforms have launched now, marketplaces, let's call them marketplaces, better term, is they've emerged that they claim to be 0% fees. And what they effectively do is allow a price to be negotiated between Vinny and J. Cal for a board ape. 
Uh, and what subsequently happens is they make the transfer between you to a $0 transfer and then a money transfer, a separate transaction. And by, by doing that, um, you know, all, they basically can work around these mechanisms. And so, and there's different ways that this can happen. This is not the new way. And what uproar that this has created, and it, it's kind of sort of tied into the Apple thing we're talking about is people that really believe in this and these projects that have put this together and the creators are behind it saying this is really bad for the ecosystem because, you know, we really finally thought we got to a place where we could be rewarded and we could participate in the growth of these things. And these new marketplaces, DYDX and a couple other ones that have been created, PseudoSwap, are doing this and are just working around sort of the core principle that was created. And so that's that's been the real uproar in the ecosystem around royalties today. This is fascinating um, in terms of the permissionlessness of this, Vinny. If I could hand you a bag of cash and I just give you a 10K brick for your NFT and you send it from your wallet to my wallet, that's the power of crypto is it's permissionless. But that is recorded somewhere, correct? And that's always recorded. <laughs> so that's recorded somewhere. And if it's recorded, then the person who was supposed to get that 6% on that $10,000, that $600, what could they do? They saw, they would see this, I guess, occur on some blockchain somewhere. They see this transaction occur. What is their recourse? And then why would people build a marketplace to skirt well, it's, it's this? Just, I mean, what, why it, it, would you want to skirt this? It okay. seems like this is the ethos. Of the plot yes, of the yeah, reason. For, what, what I've learned about humanity is a lot of people just don't have any ethos. Like, they don't care. There, there are people out there who just, there, there's people out there who, like, will take, will steal people's tips. Like, mm. you know, like you, there are a lot of, like, you know, people, humans in the world who just don't care about any other one. They just care about themselves, right? They're very, like, they're very um, selfish and, you know, I think unethical. So, yes, while I agree that, that the royalties should be enforced, and I'm, I'm very pro royalties for artists in particular. I think that the problem comes in when you move an item from yourself to another wallet. If I want to move from one wallet to another, how, you know, there's no royalty, but it looks like a transaction on chain. Like I can move it from MetaMask to a ledger and it, like I shouldn't be paying a fee and there was no price. So I guess the real quick, so, so if, if, if I, you and I do, do a transaction like that over the counter, I say, Hey, Jay, uh, you want this, uh, Moonbird? You say, yeah, Vinny, I'll give you 10 ETH. It's like, great. If you send me 10 ETH to this address. I send you move that address. There's no, there's no, record of that transaction taking place and the, and that and therefore there's no royalty due because like how do you do it it's the same as in the offline world if like you and i trade on a pair of sneakers and you know I, like you know the, we have friends who trade sneakers that you know you, you'll give you one you'll you'll pay for it and then there's no transaction fee to the original sneaker or you know developer mm. owner designer whatever so i guess in the real world what we're trying to do in, in the on in the web3 world we're trying to like create this this notion that it's it's all or nothing um because you know, and even though we, we don't accept it in the real, in the real world that physical objects change hands all the time and there's no royalty being paid, we think that we automatically have to have a royalty because you can now track everything. It's not that simple. Now, let me, let me, let me give you the counter argument here. Like, I think that, um, the royalty fee should be lower than 8%, 10%. I think it should be at a point where it's almost de minimis. So let's call it, you know, sub 5%. To the artist or three percent, three five percent. Say one. Let's say one. Look, no one's going to care at that point to go do. Uh, you know, we're not going to go around the corner try and do a deal to save a hundred bucks, even on a ten grand thing. It's just not worth it. But the artist gets paid. So, so the eight percent is in in this world is just as bad as thirty percent in the Apple world. It's like it's a big it's a big enough number that people are willing to work around and and get work around. So, so let's argue that the the market is saying we don't like seven and a half, ten percent, maybe even five percent. Let's move to a three percent royalty. 
which people, you know, the same as credit card fees, people will pay that. Um, that probably would mean that less people would, would work around the system because the, the cost to work around the system is, and, and the effort is more than the, the fee that you're going to pay. I also think that you can't take a view that you have to have this thing universally enforced. And so what, 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 what you should do is say, look, the ethos, the spirit of what we're trying to do is that we collect a 3% royalty. If you want to work around it, that's fine, but you're just depriving the artist of his revenues, his incomes, whatever else. And then the platforms, Magic Eden, OpenSea, should just honestly, by default, the same as eBay, everyone else say, look, we're going to just honor the artist's requ- request based on the smart contract. And if you transact through our platform, yep. we're going to we're gonna deduct the, the royalties. Do that, you, yeah. The platforms do no, that. No, 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 I mean, no, look, no. here's OpenSea's royalty, just for people who are watching on YouTube.com slash This Weekend or using Spotify to watch it. Yeah, it's very elegant. Um, well, here's a, yeah, so this image shows, you know, uh, an NFT buyer and NFT seller have a transaction. The NFT seller and OpenSea, you know, obviously they clear this transaction. OpenSea then holds for some period of time the royalty and then ships it to the creator. So it comes out of the seller's, uh, you know, sale price and no big deal. Uh, they should be happy to do that. And I guess if the artists, um, you know, in go after the platforms, the platforms then uh, are where the major- majority of these transactions will occur. And I guess that's where you can get enforcement. And th- this is but the thing Sonny, I like, love so most ma- about. Ma- this ma- is the thing I love most about NFTs. I, I love the yeah. fact that smart contracts and NFTs and crypto give the artists some ability to do this. I, this is kind of the best part of crypto. But so Magic Eden's made a change. Uh, th- they're allowing you to make the royalty payment optional. Yep. Really? Exactly. Well, see, this is the thing that I think what should happen is the artist should then, um, as a block, uh, sue uh, Eden. That's a very simple thing to do. You just get 10 of the artists to then sue them and say you're, you're uh, and basically if, if they uh, create enough pressure, Magic Eden's going to say, you know what, we don't want to be the scumbags in this ecosystem. It's not worth the bad press. These artists deserve their payments. And don't you think they would crumble, Sonny, with the bad press? So let me let me just let me just add this. Okay, so y- here's the issue. Um, I think that Magic Eden and OpenSea and the, the bigger players at scale, they're concerned with losing market share to like HadeSwap and Solana Art and upcomers who make it optional. Now, the 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 the, 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 the I, I believe that the downside to this for them is that artists will no longer support them. They'll they'll have less like they're not pricing in the goodwill from the ecosystem. Yes. And I, and I don't think that, I think that, that it's a bad, you know, the desire, look, we live in an open capitalistic world. If you want to make a decision, let's see what the consequences are. So they're going to make it optional. Then let's see what the consequences, there will be consequences. And if they don't, if they don't, um, if they don't want to counter the, the free play, if they want to counter the free players, they think it's a threat, then, you know, then that's their decision. I I personally think that the loyalty, that the the goodwill and loyalty that they get from even the buyers, I, I'm a, I'm happy to always pay the royalty fees. I have no issue with it, right? Hmm. Um, the, the goodwill they lose from guys like me going elsewhere and saying, fine, you know, then I think it's bad. And I think it's also bad for the ecosystem because what happens is people start going, you know, the, 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 a lot of crypto arbitrage traders. Like, so the long-term investors, myself, Sunny, whoever else, the NFTs, we don't give a paying 5%, 7% royalties because we just hold this thing for like 10 years. It's the guys who are buying and flipping every single day. They go buy a Moonbird now, they sell it two hours later, they make 5%. They're the ones upset because, well, they're paying 8% on either on the transaction, at least on one side of the transaction. So, so it's the, the, the people that this policy impacts are the people who are trying to arbitrage and trade these things on a regular basis. 
And these exchanges are so busy chasing the volume metric of trades and how many, how many, you know, how much volume they do in terms of trades that they are catering to these traders, these day traders. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like Robin Hood free trades, but you know, even in Robin Hood and everything else, there's always a catch. Someone's going to pay the price at some point, right? All right. We got one more story we can do here. SBF. I just interviewed him uh, at the Altiminer Summit. Unfortunately, it was a private event. Chatham House rules. Can't talk too much about it. Although he did, uh, I did ask him a little bit about the um, stable coins, and uh, I won't tell you his answer, but it seemed like he was super enthusiastic about stable coins. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but I've been seeing on Twitter that he, and, and he's been quite vocal about this, is pushing for more regulation, and I saw a lot of backlash. So uh, here's his tweet at a high level. A, we need regulatory oversight and customer protection. B, we need to ensure an open free economy where peer-to-peer -peer transfers code validators, et cetera, are presumptively free. C, we should establish regulation and until then standards to ensure A and B. Sonny, what is the backlash to SBF about? Because I saw a lot of people saying like, you know, like really gnarly stuff about SBF. I don't get it. It seems to me like regulation is what would cure a lot of the problems and the uncertainty in the crypto space. So what, what, what's, what's behind the backlash here? Yeah, I, I think the primary, the primary backlash, and, and Vinny should chime in here too, because he's talked a lot more about this than I have, is that the notion that he's even putting out there that there should be regulation is against the ethos of the decentralized nature of this. And so the vocal voices around not wanting any of that really spoke up. And I think if we think about this ecosystem the way we want it to exist at much more scale, we know that can exist. Right? It can't be uh, the kind of a deregulated, decentralized environment. And so that is that was the core of what led to it. Like, oh, you know, you started in in our world, and now you're kind of going in this other world. That was the the, the main main focus of the backlash. And, and the out of concept this. here is: well, he has all the wallets. He's done incredibly well. Now he's pulling the the ladder up behind him. I, I, I guess in some way. Is that the sort of accusation here or the implied accusation? It is. But, you know, he's also backing it up. Like they had an issue this week, and I don't know the exact number, where um, a bunch of their customers got fished and um, some money was stolen fr from their wallets. And, you know, they went and paid that back. And so with mm -hmm. a good regulatory framework, there could be much more punishment for the folks that are doing those things. I insurance, other things can be created around insurance products can be created. and so. I think as the entire ecosystem grows, he sees that and he is backing it up because he's having to deal with these problems, which, you know, the, the, maybe the loud folks that are speaking up are not dealing with that today. But Vinny, you know, your, your take, because you've talked a lot about this too. I think that the, the exchanges have got a different agenda um, to the, the spirit of DeFi. Um, their agenda is to control the flows of funds through them and the DeFi, because uh, you know, fun, and this was, I mean, Coinbase, by the way, like they tried launching this deposit product DeFi, which they didn't do and, you know, offering high interest rates. And I think it was the ACC or someone shut them down. Remember that last year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so imagine that had gone live and the DeFi fallout happened and they were exposed in some way to some of the, the crashes and drains. Like that would have been disastrous, especially given the scale they were at. And Coinbase is pretty responsible. So it's probably would have been, they, they probably would have been a lot more safer about it. I, I think that, that, you know, when you look at the exchanges and whether it's SBF or CZ or any of the big exchanges, um, 
they would have vested interest in maintaining the status quo and having regulations be, you know, a little obscured where they can operate with their offshore structures and whatever else. They don't really want regu- like if regulations look, if you really want regulations to come in, you should be willing to submit to a full audit of everything you've done for the past five years as, as an exchange to like Ooh. I think Ooh. I think how many exchanges are gonna how are they gonna fare with that? I mean, how's Tether gonna so, do with a five year audit? <laughs> Well, they won't want to get regulated, but if, yeah. if, 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 uh, FTX wants to be regulated and Binance wants to be regulated and all the other exchanges want to be re- regulated, um, and they feel that they've done nothing wrong over the past five years, since 2017, they should submit for a full audit and let, like, you know, Ernst Young, Deloitte's come in. And then that's part of the, that's part of what you do to get a, a US license. It's yeah, amazing. I don't know, uh, Jake, I have, I had this tweet from a long time. I'll try to find it in it, but you know, humans are humans' worst enemy. The humans kill more humans than anyone on the planet. We can't trust each yeah. other. Like we can't trust humans to make baby food. We have to regulate yeah. that, right? Like, you know, yeah. there's formula or whatever. And so exactly. I just think it's really insane to think about any at scale environment without some level of control because we can't even do the most pure and innocent of things by ourselves without some oversight I mean, around those things. Would this be analogous to the sort of pirate days of the internet with Napster, BitTorrent, Nutella, all of that, right? you had these people who were like, you know what? Information wants to be free. Anybody in the world should be able to get any file. And then we said, you know what? In the Western world, at least, we're going to respect copyright. Spotify will come out. We'll have Netflix. You'll be able to get this information. You can still buy CDs. But, you know, BitTorrent and Nutella and all these other things, Kazaa, they're going to be kind of an underground that goes from being you know, 90% of the market when the music industry didn't let you do stuff online to point 90 basis points of the market, 1% of the market. That's what's happening in crypto. Is it not? That's yes. the analogy here. Perfect one. I think I completely agree where we thought all files should exchange for free and all movies should be for free and all music should be for free and all TV shows should be for free to, you know, we had to create a sustainable ecosystem and look, it's better for everyone. Like I, you know, look back to those times when it was all these download Kazav, Napster and all those things to what it is now. It's much easier to pay yeah. and watch a free movie and, and, every, and you get great content out of it because the, the studios are willing to invest into it. So yeah, I, I think it's just a natural downloading a virus or something. I mean, what percentage of these exchanges are going to be able to transact with the Western world, the, you know, the Canada's, the, the Germany's, the UK's, the United States. I mean, all of these offshores are going to just be banned. And if you want to use them, as an individual who lives in the United States, you're going to be able to use them just like a person in the United States could use Kazaa or whatever still out there. But you may get dinged, right? You could get dinged. Yeah, I think so. And the majority of people, like, you know, we've talked about this as well. Crypto is a worldwide phenomenon. The technology is related to our worldwide. And so there may be places that people will operate like that. But for the US, you know, what the services we use and the Netflix of the world, the Apple Music of the world, the Spotify's of the world, you can still go and download music for free and movies for free, but it's the wild, wild west and there's a risk associated with it. And I think we'll just see the exact same thing play out here in this ecosystem. All right. This has been another amazing episode of our crypto roundtable. Um, we got to get moving here. I know you guys got a lot of work to do today. Uh, we covered so much, so many topics. Let's get the plugs in here. Uh, Vinny, how can people engage with your different companies and what you've invested in and built in the world. And you got civic and I know you got weight room, weightroom.com is easy. Go download weightroom.com for one-on-one video conferencing. That's easy. And then civic, yeah. uh, who, who, what do you need in civic? You, you're looking for partners. Just, you're looking for employees. What are you looking for? 
Actually, so we're launching. Thanks, Jacob. We, we, we're launching Civic.me. It's kind of it's live right now. We're doing a whole bunch of new features next week for the Solana conference. Um, go and check it out. Civic.me. Connect your Solana wallet to it. You can view your wallet. You can. It's a very, very great. It's a great visual explorer of your NFTs. Uh, and we we're bringing in identity there and a whole bunch of other things. It's a it's a really it's it's a culmination of efforts of years and years of development and creating decentralized Web three identity management. Of course, everybody wants to get all four besties on their cap table. Some people have gotten two. I think there's a person who got three, but only one company in the world, Definitive Intelligence, got all four besties on the cap table, and that's Sunny Madra's company. Yeah, and like me. I said, like I said, all four besties. Um, and and Vinny. Uh, okay, fine. Four point one. Um, so, Sunny, tell everybody what is Definitive Intelligence, and um, maybe. Uh, Yeah. No, thanks for that. Yeah, Definitive Intelligence, we focus on Web3 growth. And so understanding what your users are doing on chain and then using that information to help grow your product, product analytics, growth analytics. And so, um, you know, we're working with companies ranging from NFT projects to utility projects to, you know, folk, folks royalties and or loyalty on chain. And so if you are doing anything interesting uh, in and around Web3, we're there to help you uh, both from our platform perspective or even just our growth teams that can interact with your, um, your company to help you figure out how best to take advantage of uh, all the great data that's available in the ecosystem. And you're hiring right now? Uh, and what yeah, for? Yeah, we're always, we're always hiring great folks, yeah. All right. So you know how to find Sunny. Uh, I'm guessing you're Sunny at Definitive Intelligence. That's it. Exactly. That definitive.io. Definitive.io. Oh, definitive.io. Yeah, Sunny. No, no XYZ. Is that XYZ over? Is that over the XYZ uh, domain? No, I, think it's, I think it's still there. I think, you know, it's still there. But All right. One, with the one question. I forgot I was going to take a couple questions from the audience. How, this is from uh, Drink Gaming. How does yield nodes and all the staking companies stopping withdrawals affect crypto adoption? I have no idea what that means. Explain to uh, a neophyte what that means, and uh, if you can, and, and maybe the answer to this. Well, let, let's maybe make it g generic because I don't know about the specific question. But like, if the question is how are withdrawals being stopped, and how does that affect, mm -hmm. uh, and, and whether those withdrawals are you know through wallets or exchanges, or whatever it happens to be, uh, or contracts that someone has deposited something in, it's really bad for the crypto ecosystem. It removes mm -hmm. a lot of trust. And it ties back to our regula regulation um, section that we had today. If you have yeah. put your money into something that's promised you yield and promised you the flexibility to get your money in or out on your own, and someone has then changed the parameters of that and such that you can't get your money out or your money is gone or has been stolen, that is really, really bad. And that's why we need regulation. All right, everybody, for Vinny and Sunny, I'm Jake Al, and we'll see you next time on This Week in Startups Crypto Roundtable. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. Great job, everybody.